And it's a warm welcome to the latest edition of the Leaders Performance Podcast. My name's David Kushnan, Head of Content here at Leaders. With me at Leaders Global HQ, as ever, John Porch, Editor of the Leaders Performance Institute. John, how are you doing? Not too bad, David. How are you? Very well, thanks. And you've got another of your conversations lined up. Tell us a bit more. Yes, David. I spoke to Duncan French, the Vice President of Performance at the UFC, He's been at the likes of Newcastle United in the English Premier League, where he was head of S&C. He's been at the English Institute of Sport, and he was even at Notre Dame in the US. And there's another important reason why you've been speaking to him, John. Absolutely. Some of our listeners may be aware as well that Duncan's actually going to be speaking at our Leaders Sport Performance Summit in Las Vegas next month. And that's going to be at the UFC Performance Institute, of course. I imagine you'll be in the front row, David. Absolutely not. I won't be there. But it's going to be a great event nonetheless. Um, What else did you discuss? So we spoke about his work in setting up the philosophy and vision for the Institute for what he called an athlete-centred, facility-enabled, coach-led, data-driven model. Sounds like a cracking conversation. A reminder that the Sport Performance Summit that you mentioned, John, is on the 2nd of March. There's still time to be with us in Las Vegas. We'd love to have your company. A great lineup of speakers, all the details available at leadersinsport.com. Right, all set, John? It's a cracker. Let's go. Firstly, Duncan, welcome to the Leaders Performance Podcast. Thank you, John. I appreciate the invite. I'd like to start by talking about your role at the UFC Performance Institute in Las Vegas. You are, of course, the vice president. What does that entail and where does that work take you? Basically, quite a, an eclectic role, which is, is, is very exciting for me. Um, ultimately, I, I manage and direct um, all of the performance staff here at the Performance Institute. Um, so all the staff on the floor working with the athletes, um, they come under my uh, direct report. Um, but it's also my kind of um, role to to direct the vision, um, the philosophy of how we're going to operate on a day-to-day basis, um, and essentially pull together our strategy um, from a from a performance delivery uh, and, and a service delivery perspective. So yeah, it's very eclectic. No two days are alike. Um, I can be um, on one day interacting with athletes down on the floor um, and, and being very hands-on and the next day I'm in the office looking at um, strategy and and driving kind of where we're going for our future planning and um, you know, future proofing our system so it, it's quite a, a varied role which I enjoy. So as different as it might be on a day-to-day basis what is your overarching vision then for the Performance Institute there in Vegas? Well, that's a, that, that's a great question. I think that's something which hopefully, um, if you ask any of the staff at the Performance Institute, we, we all adhere to the same mantra which has been set for us. Uh, and that's very clear. That's for the Performance Institute to be uh, the world leader in, in science, health and performance of, of uh, mixed martial arts fighters um, and to essentially accelerate the evolution of the sport of MMA. Um, so that's kind of our, our number one priority. But we also want to position ourselves as leaders in human performance um, and, and therefore establish the UFC as now a, a player on the global scale um, with respect to some of the other kind of leagues and institutions around the world that are perceived as, as leaders in human performance and understanding aspects of human performance. The UFC are obviously trying to position themselves in that, in that scenario as well. So it's a very clear objective. Um, we're trying to shift the barometer um, of, of performance standards 
of the health and well-being of, of mixed martial arts fighters as professional athletes um, and also you know to, to influence performance in the octagon and maximize the potential. I'd like to dig down into some of that this afternoon, but I want to continue by talking a little bit about you, Duncan. You have an extensive background in strength and conditioning in sport. Some of the places you've been include Newcastle United in the English Premier League. You've also been at the English Institute of Sport and more recently at the University of Notre Dame. What have been some of the learnings you brought from those experiences to your role at the UFC? Yeah, I've been very blessed in my career. Um, obviously, I, I've worked hard to establish myself and um, each one of those roles has played a great influence on on my learning and, and my, my expertise and my approach, I would say. So, um, you know, I think what I, I bring to, to the table and, and, and try to now influence a performance team here at the UFC um, you know, is a desire to understand the roles and responsibilities of performance services, um, including strength and conditioning, as you mentioned, um, but also for everyone to understand that they are, you know, they're an integral part of the whole picture, but they aren't the whole picture and it's in, in isolation. So it's truly a, an interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary approach that, that we uh, that, that we preach. And again, that's driven by my own personal experiences um, you know, largely from the institutes uh, that I've been involved with, the English Institute of Sport. Um, I think working in the English Premier League with Newcastle United gave me a real insight into professional sport, um, which obviously brings a certain amount of pressures and stresses. And I think from a you know managerial perspective, you have to be able to lead a team and direct a team and, and manage those pressures effectively so that it doesn't essentially influence um, you know their day-to-day -day work. And I think... With respect to my time in the in in the NCAA at the University of Notre Dame, um, it's it's very uh, American, obviously, and and gaining insight into the American sporting landscape has been invaluable for me. Um, but also, you know, I perceive my role as trying to position um, each of my staff members uh, to optimize their own potential. So I find myself as a performance director now uh, in very much a facilitator role, and I think. Um, being on, you know, if I think back through my career, back on back in the day when I was at the coalface, you know, in the weight room working with athletes on a day-to-day -day basis, just by having, you know, the support of of a of an executive or a manager, um, that that was critical to me being empowered uh, and me feeling uh, self-worth and value, and that I had a a large role to play. Uh, in the initiatives that we were implementing from a, a win-loss or success perspective. So I think that's something um, that I've tried to draw from my career uh, and I bring on a day-to-day -day basis, hopefully, um, to my staff here at the UFC Performance Institute. And as much as you brought your experiences to the UFC table, it must also have opened your eyes to new practices and ideas as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, hugely exciting. Um, and when I was at Notre Dame and I was approached to to be the vice president of performance at the at the UFC, um, you know, the, there was some clear things which were hugely exciting to me. Um, the, the first was obviously a, a world class facility um, here in 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 Las Vegas, um, a fourteen million dollar facility, and the ability to walk through the door on day one. Um, and, and have every service and every resource available to us. Um, second to that was, you know, potentially a blank piece of paper handed to you um, and, and you being the person that the, the organization is looking towards to direct your initiatives and essentially set the agenda of how we're going to operate. And then the third piece was to do that in a sport such as MMA, 
um, which has got so many upsides with respect to some other sports. So if you think of soccer or basketball or golf or tennis, you know, some of these really established sports where research in, you know, data and, and insight is very clear as to, you know, how you succeed. The sport of mixed martial arts is very young. Um, we're, we're 25 years old and in, in professionally in, in, in 2018, and therefore the amount of information um, to really direct and guide the, the fighters uh, on how to prepare optimally, how to minimise injury risk, how to maximise their health and well-being. Um, you know, this is all all for the taking. So those three things of you know world-class facility being able to set the agenda and to do it in a sport such as mixed martial arts with so many upsides uh, and, and the power to essentially really evolve a sport and our understanding and awareness around the sport has, has been something which has been um, really refreshing and the reason why I jumped at the opportunity. Well, prior to the Institute opening, where did mixed martial artists go when they wanted to try and train in ways that you can help them prepare? Yeah, so every every fighter is essentially the CEO of their own company, um, as you would say. It's it's an individual sport, uh, and you know, in in the structure that professional um, fighting adopts, and in our case, mixed martial arts, but boxing is the same. Um, you know, that they, they have their own gyms, they have their own mixed martial arts coaches, their own striking coaches, or grappling coaches, but it's very self-contained in the in you know geographically wherever they are from. So. Largely, there is a you know an incestuous rep repetition of process um, within the gym uh, that you're from, and and you know the the history that goes with the the coaching approaches around each gym. Now, now some fighters are obviously very progressive. Um, I, you know, I can think of George Saint Pierre or Forrest Griffin off the top of my head, who are you know perceived as you know leaders in the innovation of training strategy across the years, and and obviously that that deemed well for their performances in the octagon. And um, so, you know, the the innovation piece and, and the new strategy and, and breaking the mold of what is tradition largely sits within each in each MMA gym, wherever it may be around the world. So what we hope to do at the UFC Performance Institute is to really pull back the you know the layers of of how you succeed you know what the what are the determinants of performance that underpin success in in a mixed martial arts competition and then how do we um you know reverse engineer that to essentially build out our programming strategies our injury prevention or or, or regeneration strategies to minimize the risk um, and 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 how do we do that and then distribute it and educate on a global scale so you know, fighters were, were, you know, very innovative and trying new things, but it was largely contained within the gym that they came from um, on a self-specific level. And what we hope the UFC Performance Institute can become is, is certainly a pillar um, in the MMA community where people look towards for insight and information that can help them um, take it back to their own gyms and obviously implement it. So your Performance Institute really has been a game changer for the athletes that have passed through your doors. Yeah, I mean, we, we we have the liberty of the the you know the resource and the finances and the power of the UFC behind us. So you know we're in a very privileged position within the Performance Institute where we can do some in-house research and project work and and really use technology and innovation to try to understand um, through very sport specific it's through through a sport specific approach and application of sports science, you know how you succeed in this sport. We then see it as our our mission to um, distribute that insight and, and and share it with the fighters. 
ultimately we work with the whole global roster of the UFC. Um, we're not a fight team ourselves here in Las Vegas. Um, we have the same service capabilities and, and kind of approach to all of the 580 fighters that are essentially on the global roster. And how many people will be on site on any given day, Duncan, in terms of athletes, support staff, coaches? Yeah, so we've got a pretty lean and nimble staff here at the Performance Institute. We have technical expertise in, in um, performance, nutrition and dietetics, sports science, strength and conditioning uh, and physical therapy. Um, and then we also have expertise around MMA specific expertise from, from Forrest Griffin, who I've mentioned, who is on our staff. Um, and then myself from a, a performance governance kind of perspective. Um, we're a pretty lean and agile team of around 20 staff members. Um, and on a day-to-day -day basis, well, we've had well over, um, in, in our first 12 months of operation, and um, we opened in, in May of 2017, and we've had well over two, uh, three quarters of the roster um, have been through the facility. And we have a retention rate of about 71%. Now, by that, I mean the athletes or fighters that come and visit the, the Performance Institute one time are either returning for multiple repeat visits or we are working with them remotely wherever they may be around the world. So we're excited about that retention rate. Obviously, we, we want to keep growing that and, and engage with as many of the fighters as we can. But on a day-to-day -day basis, um, based on our business structure, um, which is a little bit different to a pro team or a professional uh, organization or a, a collegiate model where you know the athletes are essentially um, with you every day we've got a very fluid and dynamic system where athletes can come and go and um, because of as i've already mentioned they're, they're working out in the gyms globally wherever they may be situated um, so they come to las vegas for anywhere between two days or, or 12 weeks for a, for a full fight camp potentially. Um, and on a day-to-day -day basis, we're servicing about 18 UFC fighters as well as their training partners. Um, but that can fluctuate um, where we have very busy days. I think the most fighters we had in one day was 163 fighters. Um, and then, you know, other days it's a little bit quieter um, and we can reflect and digest and review some of our processes or work on some projects that we've, we've been hanging on to. So, um, yeah, it's a very fluid and dynamic model that we have here at the Performance Institute, um, which gives us great freedom. But also, um, I think some of our statistics are really demonstrating that we're starting to really interact with the larger UFC roster uh, and hopefully in under, you know, influencing the combat, the greater combat community globally, um, including the, you know, the judos and the, the taekwondos and the karate um, people that, that are out there globally. And what are some of the ways you've managed to streamline your processes during the last two years? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, and I think that's the golden nugget. We, you know, the, in, in sports performance, everyone talks about the high performance model. Um, but really, I think it's a bit of a, you know, I, I'm not really sure anyone's truly defined what a high performance model, you know, it, what that is. You know, it means it's, it's so context specific. It's so organizational specific. So, you know, the high performance model has to reflect your own environment and your own ecosystem. Um, but for me, I keep it very simple. Um, you know, I talk about organization. Uh, I talk about integration and I talk about execution. Um, those three things for me encompass everything we try to do here um, in as much as we have an athlete-centered, facility-enabled, coach-led, data-driven, objectively-driven uh, model. Um, 
now by looking at the organization piece and that comes down to staff recruitment to having the right people in your team to aligning those departments and those technical expertise in the in a in the appropriate way which maximizes their potential i talk about the integration which is very much a philosophical approach to how we operate Um, and i truly believe high performance models are a mindset they're not necessarily an org chart um, or a structural chart so the the desire to integrate to put the um, athlete or the performance problem that you're faced with at the center of every single conversation and then to understand how the respective shareholders contribute to solving that specific problem um, is very much a philosophical approach which I try and direct and, and, and you know promote here um, in our day-to-day operations. And then execution um, is, is obviously how are we going about delivering services? How do we define truly world-class service delivery? Um, and that comes down to technical expertise. It comes down to the facility. It comes down to the equipment and the technology that we need to engage with within the sports science domain. It comes down to our data streams and how we handle data. And ultimately, what is the interface with the end user? And the end user is, is the coach and the athlete. So we're trying to maximize the consumer experience, let's say, um, by giving you know the, the world class service. So it's it's very cliche but they they are the three terms that i kind of on a managerial level really resonate in terms of organization integration and then execution other people will talk about um people process and tools um which is yeah, again widely distributed in in managerial kind of speak um but i i just put my own kind of slant on it and and it resonates with me and i understand what that what that means to me in terms of um you know organization integration and execution and is the athlete the ultimate decision maker in this process? Well, it's that's a that's a really fascinating question. Um, I think in some performance settings that they they the athlete is often um, you know subservient to the process. What what we try to do here is absolutely engage the coach and the athlete in the decision making process. And as I say, in professional um, in individual professional sports like mixed martial arts then yes, the, the, the fighter is the CEO uh, and they're going to decide whether they want to engage in a strategy or not. It ultimately comes down to their willingness and their desire. Now, what we need to do as performance specialists is go through the education process, You know, really try to influence decision-making and try to give reason um, and good reasoning and, and ideas to the athlete and the coach so that they're in a powerful position to make the right choice. Or what we would perceive as the right choices but yeah obviously in every scenario um, and anyone listening on on the podcast is going to have um situations where they're, they're adamant that the they've defined or created the right approach or they understand the right approach and an athlete or a coach decides that it's just not for them and i think that's where we've got to come back to understanding our role in the bigger process and um, yes the athlete ultimately um is is the long-term decision maker and it needs to fit for them and I think in a sport, uh, an individual sport like mixed martial arts, that pro- that's probably holds true, more true than, you know, team sports and, and, and different professional team sports um, where it, it's now more of a systematic or an organizational decision rather than an individual decision. And you said that you engage remotely with your fighters. How do you go about doing that? Yeah. So our biggest challenge is geography. Um, 
in as much as there aren't many professional sports leagues in the world, you could try and think of all, you know, the NFL, the NBA, the English Premier League, the NRL, whatever it may be, they're all geographically specific to the country that they're from. The UFC is truly a global league. Um, so geography is something which we have to take on, um, but it's also potentially our largest challenge. So we do a lot of remote work, a lot of remote coaching, as I would call it, um, with our fighters. And they can be anywhere from you know, China, Korea, Australia, Europe, uh, or just in other parts of North America. So, you know, we it's it's um it's one of the biggest challenges is to maximize the influence and get compliance remotely but uh, we use a number of different tools to do that obviously um you know the 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 easiest way is to to text and and pick up a phone or make a skype call or whatever it may be um but we also use some technologies um omega wave is one example where we can give um a fighter who visits um the ufc here in las vegas a piece of technology they can take that back to wherever they may be in brazil or australia and and utilize that piece of technology and that all goes up into the cloud and then we can have very transparent conversations around the data even though we're on the other side of the world so we do that with a number of different technologies um Polar is another partner that we use. Um, but again, remote coaching largely comes down to desire um, and motivation to interact. And again, this is something which I really promote um, my staff to do is that we have to prioritize the desire to to want to pursue these conversations with someone that the barriers and the hurdles are, are very large, um, but we have to navigate and get around them um, to, to maximize our impact. It truly is a global sport and mixed martial arts is exactly that, mixed. You have fighters come from all over the world. No doubt they're steeped in different combat styles. They've come from different performance environments. So how is that acknowledged in your communications, Duncan, or your provision of data and information when you're having those conversations and those uh, talks with people about what they might need to do to enhance their performance? Yeah, so that, that's a fascinating question. So so Mick, the sport of mixed martial arts has got kind of seven core sports at the heart of it, although um, every combat discipline from, from you know local geographical kind of um, influence and ethnic heritage has a role to play in mixed martial arts so we see fighters with lots of different um, stylistic backgrounds i think how that influences you know the conversations that we're having um, if i give you an example of um you know if we work with wrestlers um so in north america and the collegiate system there's obviously a very um strong heritage in, in collegiate freestyle wrestling and, and there's a lot of transference from wrestling into mixed martial arts those guys that come through the collegiate systems often have, um, you know, good awareness around, um, you know, seasonal st structuring periodization for a season, um, understanding how potentially technology might be able to help them and influence them. Um, and, and they can usually have quite powerful conversations around training strategy because they've been exposed to it in a, in a strong collegiate system. The polar opposite to that is, um, you know, colleagues that, that are in the favelas of Brazil and it's a lifestyle um, to go to the gym and be around the gym and learn jujitsu um, and jujitsu is a lifestyle for them. Very little um, technology or, um, you know, resource 
um, but just the discipline that goes with being in the gym every day and, and training and um, your style, you know, your jujitsu or whatever combat style you, you follow. So, you know, I think what we try to do is really have an awareness if someone is coming from a, a judo background or an Olympic sport background, or if someone is coming from a an NCAA type background, or if someone is coming from a very granular level um, combat, just a raw combat background where they might have been working out in their garage for you know their whole career um, and never stepped foot in a, in a commercial gym we see everything um, on that on that spectrum and what we um, pride ourselves in doing is maximizing our ability to connect with each of those individual fighters so we truly have a, a customized approach where we we process um, the athlete and their background their stylistic background but also how are we going to maximize our messaging how are we going to maximize our ability to disseminate data, to try and upskill them and educate them around the use of data and, and, and assessment and monitoring and how valuable that can be to ultimately setting their strategies moving forwards. Um, and again, you, you, you brought up a great point because that's one of the biggest challenges that we're faced with in a global sport like ours. And what about the layout of your Performance Institute? Has that been designed with high performance in mind? Yeah, so I mean, listen, we're blessed with a with a world class facility here in Las Vegas, and um, you know, my, my colleagues prior to my arrival, I was the first hire to the Performance Institute. Um, prior to my arrival, the UFC colleagues within the UFC visited approximately sixty or so um, performance facilities around the world: Australia, Europe, UK, other parts of the North American kind of sports network, um, looking in, at innovation um, and trying to define you know, what is truly valuable within a high performance facility. Um, and I think they did a great job. Um, we are truly blessed. Um, but I always say, you know, the, the church is not the building, the church is the people. Um, and that is what we truly pride ourselves in. Um, we, we have a great facility, um, but our people ultimately are what make our whole system tick. And I think what separates us from other world leaders uh, is, is our approach and our, our philosophy of how we're going to go about our work to support the athletes. So, um, you know, the, 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 the people are, you know, ultimately what our high performance system is about. Um, but I will always say that the environment shapes behavior and not the other way around. Um, so what the facility has allowed us to do is indirectly or subconsciously drive performance initiatives. Um, be it driving kind of integration or really opening up channels of interaction and communication. I think the design of our facility allows that. The athlete experience, you know, the traffic flow and forcing athletes through a subconscious route of traffic um, to ensure that they stop by a fueling station and, and maximize the potential of nutrition interventions. All these things have been considered and thought about and, and that environment ultimately subconsciously drives behaviors both the behaviors of our staff but also the behaviors of the athlete and i think that's why the performance institute is such a a great facility for doing that duncan last year the usc released its 80 page report on mma titled a cross-sectional performance analysis and projection of the usc athletes it was a 12-month study that analysed more than 30,000 data points, and it would take all day to go over all of those. But what were some of the overarching findings that struck you? 
the first 12 months of our operation, we, we deliberately kept quiet in as much as um, we really wanted to aggregate our data and our information that we're collecting, but also make sure our learnings um, uh, you know, were true um, before we started to get on our soapbox and really try to push out some information um, to kind of support the combat community with their thought processes. So that, that journal um, kind of marked our first anniversary of operations um, and it covered everything from um, nutrition and, and you know, um, nutrition and dietetics and, and making weight through to um, performance strategy and periodization to injury audits um, and very specific information around the fight statistics that we've been collecting um, as well. So I think, you know, some of the high level findings from that was, um, you know, really defining um, some of the common injuries um, and, and, you know, it's a combat sport, right? So injuries are unavoidable, but um, really trying to understand what the, the frequency and the nature of the injuries um, we, we are seeing um, and, and ultimately the mechanisms, because that's what you need to understand is where are the, what's the mechanism of those injuries? And then how can we set up a practice or manage a, a, a wrestling mat? Um, or make sure a warm-up is, is performed in a particular way to minimize the, the risk of injury, so to reduce that injury risk. So that was certainly something which was very practically applicable. I think one of the most powerful things that we've done um, is look at cross-sectional profiles um, for each of the weight classes. So we have 12 weight classes currently um, in the UFC, and by being able to look at the physiological attributes of each of those weight classes in isolation, that allows any athlete now to perform one of our diagnostic tests and immediately compare themselves to their peers um, within, a, within their weight class. So again, very powerful data for benchmarking performance standards. Uh, and off that, we can build very powerful strategies as how, how we can advise a coach and an athlete to try and improve their performance. And then other things were around some of our metabolic insights. Again, we're a weight classification sport. So just understanding what making weight um, does uh, to, to a, an athlete's health and well-being and then messaging, you know, the role of health and well-being in underpinning as a foundation of performance. So, yeah, there was some very specific high level um, things that came out with that. But again, we see that as our first iteration uh, and we will continue to um, share that type of information and grow that type of insight um, so that we can push it out to the global community. Again, we see the Performance Institute not as Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, where it's a nice, big, shiny building, but nobody really knows what goes on inside. We really want to um, do, the, do the high level in investigations and, and work and really understand our sport, um, but then disseminate it and share it with all those coaches and athletes out there globally. And what are some of the ways you feel that what it takes to win in the UFC has evolved over the last few years? Obviously, what worked for you a year ago or two years ago is not necessarily going to work now. Yeah, the fight's definitely changed um, and, and the fight evolves. So, you know, we look at, um, you know, the striking rates, um, you know, stri more strikes being thrown. Um, and we, we did a big kind of 16 year an analysis of, of fight metric data. Um, in every UFC fight, there are 167 different variables um, that are monitored throughout the course of a fight. So we did a lot of covariate and multivariate analysis on those, on those data. Um, and we see things like an increase, almost a twofold increase in striking rates. So that's going to have a, an intensity perspective related to it. And we can see that, you know, uh, the knockouts have, have gone down significantly over the years. 
um, and they now sit around um, you know about 36% knockout rate um, it, based on weight class. But if we, if we pull all the data, it's about a 36% knockout rate. That used to be about 55%, I believe, um, back in 2002. Um, and then the decisions, the amount of decisions that we have in our sport have gone up. So whether that's based on judging um, and, and refereeing decisions, whether it's based on better matchmaking, whether it's based on better conditioning and physical preparation of fighters, all these things kind of come into the conversation. Um, but what we know is that the fight, the way the fight is won is changing and evolving all the time. Now, if you're a if your strategy is about success, you need to understand that. You need to know how you ultimately win in our sport. And a great example of that is one of the things I was able to do with our multivariate statistics is start to look at what are the KPIs um, for each of the weight classes um, relating to success. Now, you know, based on um, some of the judging criteria, things like um, takedowns is, is, a, is a judging criteria that potentially influences the scoring. Um, but we found that 73% of the top five KPIs in each of our um, weight classes are striking related. All right. So MMA right now is very much a striking based sport, even though it's critical um, that you have the mixed martial arts capabilities. You have to have uh, jujitsu skills. You have to have wrestling skills. But the, the fight itself at the moment in 2018 um, is very striking orientated, um, which is quite fascinating. And then when you pop, when you start to tease out some of the gender differences um, and, and how ladies uh, and, and the, the females win the fights versus how the guys win the fights, again, you can now be very strategic in targeting your preparation against what some of those statistics are showing us. So, you know, there's there's lies, damn lies and statistics, as I would say, um, and there's a nuance to, to data and statistics. But the findings that we pulled together were, have been critical in really shaping, um, you know, performance training strategies here at the PI. And let's now turn our attention to your Performance Institute in Shanghai. When is it opening and how will it stack up to Las Vegas? And what are your aims in opening that facility? Yeah, so we're very excited about, um, you know, the, the, the UFC Performance Institute in Shanghai. Um, it's, it's going to be an extension of our global ecosystem of the Performance Institute network. Um, and that is going to be opening up in Q2 of, of this year, 2019. Um, so late May, early June, um, the facility will be operational. So it's a, a, I had a visit to it at the start of this year. It's a, a huge building. Um, our facility in Las Vegas is around 30,000 square feet. Um, it'll be three times bigger than that in Shanghai. So it's a 92,000 square feet performance facility um, with everything from cognitive performance rooms to recovery to float tanks to cryotherapy uh, chambers. Obviously, you know, a, an amazing weight room with integrated force plates and video camera technology um, through to performance analysis suites, et cetera, et cetera, you name it, um, and performance dining as well. So it's it's going to be truly one of the world's greatest um, performance facilities. Um, and it will be, as I've already mentioned, a larger part of the ecosystem of the Performance Institute. What makes it stand alone compared to ourselves here in, in, in Las Vegas is currently in Las Vegas, we work with existing um, UFC fighters. So they, they tend to already have their own coaches. They tend to be technically pretty competent and you know they're, they're world-class fighters. In Shanghai, um, we will have MMA coaches within our facility, which we currently don't have in Las Vegas. Um, so in Shanghai, we will also be looking to coach 
um, and develop MMA skills in a, a geographical region that's got a rich history of combat sport, um, but potentially not in the sport of mixed martial arts. It's things like wushu or sanda. Uh, of Kung Fu and other kind of um, combat sports. So we're hoping to do some of the technical tactical piece as well as supplementing with our existing kind of high performance service system um, to truly try and develop a performance pathway. Um, so it's largely a development facility in Shanghai. Um, and the hope is to increase our current um, population of Chinese fighters uh, on the UFC roster of which we currently have 11. Um, from a uh, country of 1.5 billion people. So um, we're really trying to up, up that number and, and really try and hopefully one day develop a, a Chinese world champion for the UFC. And ultimately you'll improve standards across the boards, right? I mean, a rising tide raises all boats. Exactly, exactly. And again, it's just going to be another extension of our investigative capabilities where you know our staff in shanghai will be linked in with our vegas staff we'll be looking at performance initiatives project work research technology innovation in the in the domain of mixed martial arts and combat sports so it's hugely exciting for us on a global scale and finally duncan um the leaders performance institute is very excited to be coming to your las vegas facility for our sports performance summit in march and you're going to be speaking of course uh, how excited are you about that prospect and i'm not looking for any spoilers here of course but what can our delegates expect to hear from you on the day no we we are very excited and and obviously honored to host um you know a, a meeting such as leaders it's truly identified as as a, you know globally as as one of the the leading, obviously, <laughs> one of the leading kind of conversations and networking opportunities in, in sports performance. Um, and you just have to look at the list of, of, of previous speakers to understand how um, the product tries to position itself. So we're excited that you guys have chosen the UFC um, as, as the next host of your of your conference and convention. And, and uh, we, 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 we're sure it's going to be a great personal level again. Um, to be invited really excited to share um, you know some of the thoughts around um some of the things i've shared here on the podcast around my management philosophy how we are going about building our performance initiatives where we truly feel the pinch points are and where we're trying to maximize our influence um, on athlete performance and ultimately how we try and do that on a global global platform with the challenges that that ultimately presents so I'm very excited to to share some of our our approaches and our insights, and I hope people that are in attendance will, will certainly see value in in our presentation. We certainly have no doubt in that, Duncan. Thank you, I appreciate it. And thank you very much for talking to me this afternoon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. No problem. Look forward to seeing you all in Las Vegas. <laughs>